Hey Zen, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm fatigued. Have you like have you been exposed to any more like crypto scammers lately? No. You see, you've been through quite a few, I think, right? Like we we were talking about how like um, some people like hang out around here and like hardcore crypto scammers and stuff. But um, you've had some wild experiences, I think, too. Um, I've been around for a long time, and I just got. I don't know. I felt I I made a big bag and then I started being stupid with it. I knew mm. I was being stupid with it. Like I knew, uh, you know, like I've never, I've always thought. You're, what do you mean? Like you're, you're buying shit. You got, you're buying shit that like were rug pulls or like, what, what did like, you start doing? Like I do not believe in NFTs. I do not believe in, uh, to, I think tokens are retarded. Um, I'm not a fan of mm. any of this shit. So I wasn't, I knew, <laughs> I knew I was being stupid when I, but you know, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like coach said it, coach said it actually was one of the few good things he said. He said, he says, Zintani falls in love with people. Sefi falls in love with ideas and I fall in love with God. You know, I fall in love with people, but people are retarded. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they're retarded, but I love them. So, yeah. so I just throw, throw my bags at them. I know, I know it's not coming back. I'm generally optimistic, but skeptical, you know, but like my rule is like, like, I don't know, periodically someone will say to me like, Hey, do you want to invest in my thing or whatever? Or like, I don't know, early investor in my DAO or some shit. I'm like, um, not really. Like, I just can't be bothered to like keep track of all that shit. Um, yeah. And it's just like, but yeah, no, it's like, uh, there's a lot of that stuff that goes on. I don't believe in like any, because it's like, do do we need it? Does the world need it? No. Then why no. the fuck are you making it? Why are so many people making things? We don't we don't need it. This is gonna fail. This is gonna right. fail long term. Is it? They're, they're, we're just selling hype to each other. That's it. You know. My sense is like the most um, obvious like utility of crypto is gonna just be straight entertainment. Because think about how why most people are here. Number go up in entertainment. Number go up only goes so far, but if you're being entertained while number goes up, you're really having a good time. Okay, fine. So you like it's like Chuck E. Cheese, like it's like a video game arcade. I think that's like where the like the big stuff's going to be done is um, somehow like utilizing this whole mess and create kind of a game out of it. I think, and it's sort of a game for everybody anyway, right? Like think about it. Since like um, you know, if you go to like Chuck E. Cheese, some people like to play the ski ball. Some people like to whack a mole. Some people like to, you know, put quarters in the arcade machine or whatever. Um, it's not that one is any better than the other. They're all just a fundamentally a waste of time. They're just kind of entertainment. But then like in crypto, it's the same thing. You have like people that like to buy NFTs and they, people like to buy coins and see if they go up or down or whatever. And and um, it's like as long as people see it as entertainment, it, it I think they your outlook winds up being fine. I think my my biggest or my biggest appeal and I don't have much appeal towards crypto like these these people hate me because it's just like I don't but like I feel like I feel like people it's just like mass hysteria but I do feel like the one the one thing that I do find interesting is like a historical archive in that way I really like crypto in general that's the like the the ledger thing is what resonates with you kind of 
Yeah, I like that. I like that. And I also like, well, this is another thing that, that people, another reason people probably hate me, but I also like the idea of everything being public. Like I can go and look and see what, what you've been up to. Yeah, I think like public is good in some, some ways, but we are like, I think private is better than others. It depends what you're trying to do. Um, so I like, it, a, I like a contrasting thing. Like I like a, a full spy operation or I like a completely private thing. Like if yeah. you, if you think about, um, Zeph contrasted with autism, Sophie, it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So Zeph is, is complete privacy. It's a black hole. It's something you can't see inside. If you pay somebody, they don't know your balance and they don't know who else you pay. They don't know anything about it. Right. Um, Zeph is is mainly compelling as a narrative that will become more important over the next two, three years or five years. Um, then it becomes really interesting. And if you use Zeph for nothing else, like keep some stable coins in there as like a as an interesting thing to do um, away from like the ability of, of governments or um, AI accounting to, to look at everything or the data exchanges provide to be um, given to the government to be backtraced to whatever you have. Like if you want to protect from all of that stuff, have a few um, Zeph USD dollars or whatever in that system. It's complete privacy. And then if you look at autism, I'm basically running a modern spy operation, right? (laughs) So the the gift (laughs) gift culture is kind of like a cover story for complete tracking of everything. It's like funny in that way. It's like, I'm giving you a gift. Um, I'm giving you a gift, but now I know who you are. And now I know your wallet. And now I can track everything you've ever done for the history of the chain. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what else I like about crypto? Just conceptually? I, I, I find it really hard to respect dead people. I don't, I don't get the point of that. Dead people, they don't do anything. They don't pay taxes. They don't work. They just kind of lay there. And if a dead person dies with a bunch of money hidden away, that depletes my bags. No, it doesn't. It makes right? it go up. No, 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 Because the government will just pump more dollars out. My bags are being lost on this dead person's dime. But in crypto, dead people actually have some use. You know, they, yeah, they, they the are, they're securing my bags. Yeah, their coins ah. disappear. Oh, you said it backwards. But but basically, the more the more elderly holders and the more incapacitated mentally or physically um, yes. the chain has, the more bullish it is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. like it's the burn, right? Like I- example, like chains often receive massive hype if they have a small amount of burning of tokens. Um, but if you can literally have holders die, this is even more bullish. Yes. Yep. That's one true. of my, um, one of my, like, so I came up with this, uh, this, um, autism thing, but one of my other launch blueprints I've come up with is like to do an initial gift or airdrop to people, but specifically people who are within like two years of death and also specifically people who are mentally incapable or, um, unable to make decisions or forgetful. Right. And then, yeah. um, specifically people who are like technology luddites who would never work out how to log in and use a c phrase and get fees for transactions or whatever to have like 95 percent of the supply in their hands and therefore you'd make sure it never moves and they'd all die quickly too 
be probably the most bullish thing ever. You you said that a couple of days ago. I thought that was a you know it's a few more extra steps, but um, you would just go around. Um, you would go around nursing homes and hospices and distribute supply that way and give them money that they can't use. Another like another really funny idea in in my opinion, Sefi is. Um, I do something similar to the autism gift why, drop. Why did you say Sefi when there's all these other speakers here? I just felt like he was feeling unloved. Yes. Okay. Sorry. See, he's quiet now. Yeah, go ahead. Is he even here? No, no. Speak to speak to Sefi. Talk but to is Sefi. He, is he here? Or he oh, sorry. Like, I, guess I had well, a phone ahead. call come in. I apologize. What happened? Yeah. yeah. And Let's... this is just for Sefi, so everyone else close your ears. Oh. Oh, I was just talking about like interesting launch strategies. So one of the interesting launch strategies I've come up with lately is um, imagine if I did something similar to autism, except everyone is locked by default. Right. Right. So you you cannot sell. Um, And then in order to sell, you have to jump on a Skype call with me and tell me why. (laughs) I like that. Or a space. (laughs) And, and 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 then the relationship is... Um, it, it's like you can see your account has, say, fifty thousand, hundred thousand more, you know, dollars of tokens or whatever. Probably more of extreme price action because of the lack of sales, right? Mm-hmm. Um, imagine you have like fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars, something. You cannot sell unless you convince me why. <laughs> and, and then the- you have to come in, and we do maybe a few spaces a week or something, or um, you can message me or whatever. But you have to convince me. You have to convince me of the legitimacy. And and it's sort of like um, the relationship is sort of like imagine if I'm a, a mafia boss in some Sicilian yeah, town. I just watched uh, Godfather last night again. Yeah, but imagine if I'm like a I don't know some Sicilian mafia boss or something. Don Corleone. And and the, the local the local businesses are are paying me protection money, mm-hmm. um, and and somebody has missed payment, and the person who missed payment has to turn up at the house and explain why. Oh, right. I like it. Otherwise, they'll get a beating. But in this case, it's just like unlocking. Um, but if they turn up and have a good reason, I'm I'm not like totally unreasonable. People think about the mafia as like this evil organization or whatever. In reality, like a lot of it's sort of like a, you know, there was there was some fairness, some justice or whatever. You know, you you do the best for me. You give me some money. I'll, I'll do the best for you. Whatever. You know, reasonable to some degree. Um, so if you turn up and you're reasonable. You give me a valid excuse. You show me the medical letters or whatever. I'll release some of it. You know, I'll, I'll be reasonable. I'll be fair. But it better be a fucking good reason. You better not try and fuck with me. You better not lie to me. The moment you start lying to me, your unlock period extends to 50 years minimum, right? It, it Like more of this dynamic, more of the, the mobster dynamic is, is what I'm looking yeah, for. You're, you're suddenly horrified that your 100K now takes 70 years to uh, unlock. You're like, oh well, my God, what have so, I done? There's a couple of <laughs> models here, Sefi. So like one of the, mo- like I've, I've blueprinted all of these. One of the models is that it's just the freeze and unfreeze and I can unfreeze an arbitrary amount. Like let's say somebody has a 50K allocation, all of it's frozen. If they come to me and say like, okay, I've had appendicitis and I need to pay for surgery and they give me a $2,000 medical letter. Okay, 2,000 release done. Well, you know, that's fair. But I'm going to keep the rest locked and, uh, you know, you better come up with a good reason to unlock the rest. Um, and by the way, good reason involves stuff like writing, promoting, doing endless Twitter spaces. It can be whatever. But I have ultimate discernment other, other on whether you've displayed enough loyalty and enough effort to unlock it, right? Your 
you're like the <laughs> you're, you're the employee who needs to work to unlock um but you have the allocation it's yours i just have the button to unlock it um but another one <clears throat> would be for instance to do an autism drop and then at the start everyone has one year linear vesting but here would be the quirk the quirk would be that i can control the vesting period so if you are disobedient if you dump the first month's worth of allocation on this linear vest, so one twelfth of it, then I can set you the remainder of your vesting period to like a hundred years, right? So rather than unlocking in one year, you're unlocking in a hundred years. I have complete. I have like the dial, the dial that determines your vesting period, the duration. <laughs> I think it would also be really funny because it's like somebody fucks with me and dumps. I can just twist it to two hundred years or something. <laughs> That would be really funny to me, um, or like speed it up or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, you've you've done well, so I'm going to make it like six months, two hundred years. <laughs> Wait, aren't aren't pyramid schemes actually very lucrative? Could you do like a lockup forced pyramid scheme type of thing? Would that work? Like, you can only sell after you've had so many know. people invest this much money by via invite link or something. Maybe, but for me, the the joy is like being the mafia boss or the dictator or whatever. Wait, no, no, that that was funny. I giggled, I giggled on mute, but but wouldn't that would that work? Is that legal? <laughs> you need is you need to legal? you need to like clarify what you're talking about. So like you you lock it up and you can only you can only sell after you've had so many people invest so much money via invite link. Yeah, you can do that. You can program it all. But you would, would need to protect. Lucrative? You would need to protect against stuff like people donating to themselves under fake accounts and stuff. Oh shit. yeah, the trouble with most of these things like tends to like, wait. But no, but that wouldn't work because then those accounts would be locked. What what I mean is you would need you would need basic protections in the system to make sure people can't bot it or pretend to be other people. Or it wouldn't matter if they did. It wouldn't matter if they did because each account would be locked until they've. It's 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 a forced pyramid scheme. Um, as in more money must come in, goes out always. Always. Yeah, yeah. you can do shit like that, but um, it it wouldn't be too compelling to people because they'd work it out pretty quick and write like anti threads. And what do you mean? Like they look at the system and think like this is a scam and then write threads. I about mean, it's it. a pyramid scheme, but it's but pyramid schemes are lucrative, right? But in, in crypto, you want like the the scam you can mentally believe isn't a scam. Right. But, this is, this but, is the but, problem. But but all all of this is just pyramid schemes on crack. Look, like why don't you why don't you hire, for why don't you hire some people on fire and do it no i don't i don't want to no i just want to marry a billionaire it's probably wise i, I don't want to do anything yeah that makes sense but if i'd marry a billionaire who did it, hmm. well, that would work though wouldn't it would people it, you said it would lose appeal because it's like the the gambling is the fun of it. There's no question that like uh, like a s successful system, like economic system, involves all of the above. It, it's like creation of like beauty just for the beauty's sake, enjoyment of entertainment simply for entertainment's sake, 
making money for work that you do. Um, the system grows as a result of like MLM slash pyramid type of activities. Like every system's like that. Like that's, you're just talking about life at that point. Like the dollar is like that, for example, or like a job or anything. Like to some extent, the the perception of what money is and all of that is like a big, you know, there's like a lot of studies and like Nobel Prize winners and shit like this, right? Like um, Nash equilibriums and whatever. But um, yeah, like at some level, it's like uh, money is just like a an idea. And um, like some of the best like crypto projects and whatever that develop a lot of like either total value locked or flywheel effect or whatever you want to call it are pretty much exactly what you're describing. It's like some form of um, like, yeah, like, you know, MLM type thing. Like if you think about this too, like why do you bother using your smartphone? Is there anything fundamentally useful you're creating most of the time? No, 99% of the shit you do on your smartphone is just playing video, playing games. Like, does any is anyone gonna look at your life's like pictures that you've taken for your whole life? No, not really. Like, is someone? I've never gonna, taken a picture. But you see my point. Like, like the like a lot of the things that we do are just like entertainment as far as most of life's sort of like economic activity. At least in the first world, once you get past like food and water and stuff, like shelter and stuff, it's all entertainment at some level. And um, that's really all it is. Like, tons of economic activity has been driven just purely by like stuff we don't need, and. Um, like materialism and such. So I don't know, like the fun of crypto is like creating like fun games and things with like, yeah, MLMs, pyramid schemes, whatever they are. Like as long as people are entertained by the fact that they're doing those things in, I think that's fine, right? Like if it's just simply like you're just grifting for money, that's where the problem comes in. But if you're having fun going to Chuck E. Cheese, like playing on the skee-ball machines, getting your token, your tickets, and you're you know, buying a, play, you know, your spider ring over at the, the, the glass counter, people consider that entertainment. As soon as you say, well, the tickets that you're getting at Chuck E. Cheese Pizza are like, you know, meant to make you rich. Well, now it sounds more like a, like, you know, multi-level marketing or some sort of scam. So I think it really is how you package it and how it's framed and whether someone's being entertained or not is the key thing. I mean, think about this then. If you buy a video game for $50 and you spend like, I don't know, uh, let's say like 300 hours playing this video game. Um, like, have you been scammed? You just spent 300 hours of your life doing this thing that you paid 50 bucks for. Um, like, I don't know. Our video um, games a scam. No, because I'm sure after I die, I've thought about this. Someone is going to look through my Steam achievements list and be very impressed. And that's what, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it's all for. Someone's going to admire the work I've done in life. So the record of you having been there, have stepped on the moon or whatever, is like the important part for you. The legacy. You're leaving behind a legacy. Oh, yeah. Lots of, lots of hours, lots of games, lots of achievements. Nice. Okay. Well, see, like I said, like as long as you've paid for it and you're happy with the outcome, that's pretty much the difference in whether it's a scam or not. That's what Bruce is trying to say, I think. Like, if in your head it's like, hey, this is just MLM pyramid scheme. It's more money going in than going out. Well, it's like, it's like do, do machines exist that can suck in enormous money for a long period of time? Yeah, they do. But the more you obfuscate the intention to do that and the more fun you make it, the more effective it'll be. I just don't like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I was around before all of this that it just seems so stupid, but I hate, I don't, there's something like deeply disturbing and cringy. It's so cringy that it's disturbing. 
I think it has more to do with like, the people you hung out with probably more than it does the actual tech. No, <laughs> so, Co- like, Coach Coach does it too. Coach does what, it too. That? Does with what? His, with his coin. It's like these, they'll, they'll come around and they're like, this art is going to be, uh, no, Coach doesn't do it. Coach doesn't do what I'm talking about. Sorry. But, but people will have like a project and they'll be like, this is going to be the next Mona Lisa. And it's like CryptoPunks. They're like, this is art. No, I think with autism, it's like clear that it's meant to be um, pretty much useless, except that you're supposed to hand it out to people. Yeah, I, t- no, I think in, about in it. He doesn't do it. He doesn't I'll, do I'll it. talk about it. I'll talk about it going to zero and I'll make fun of it or whatever. It's just like a silly thing to me. I, However, I, I, I took it back. But, but just, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, there, there, there are people who like to sell the idea of like certainty or some weird narcissistic legacy shit. Or, and people um, buy it. Like people buy art. into it. They're, they're really defensive about it. They really believe that it, this like bit art is the next Mona Lisa. Well, I mean, it's like the grift though. To, to portray it as the highest art or something. It's like the entire thing. The funny thing Zen is like the art community, the, the live, or the real life art community does the same thing. It's a gigantic rift to it's like get the same. It, It's I like, mean, like the reputation of artists and. Yeah, the reputation else. of artists, the story of the painting. The sale of the, the past pieces and all this right, shit. Oh, the whole thing. Hold, it's not as cringy because like. Oh, it's pretty, dude, it's like, pretty bad. There I've is been such that. a thing as bad art. Like people, people study how to paint like a lot of these nfts it's like i used to do graphic design like some a bit of artwork and i know when i look at these nfts like these people don't know what they're doing they don't have any understanding of color theory or, or anything nothing but sure like but at the it's same bad. time it's bad people can it's decide bad whether they, people can decide like whether they want to buy that or not right if you want to spend like a dollar on that fine if you want to spend a hundred dollars fine um, there's plenty of like starving artists that do like routine stuff that like you might pay two, $300 for, um, that's not ever going to go up in value or anything. Like you just want to hang it on your wall or whatever. So I, I'm okay with all of that. I just don't think it's as, I'm not as worried about it as being like cringy or grifty. Um, I think that just really depends on who you hang out with and what you've heard more than anything. Like I, it's kind of, I've seen it on all angles. I've seen people that just produce good art, sell it on as NFTs and, um, you know, they don't make that much money out of it. And other people that have like some gigantic grift with five thousand copies or whatever. Yeah, hey, I, just, I guess I'm just a hater. I just want to mention something. I am some kind of billionaire. I hold one point one billion Shiba Inu. Just want to mention that if you looking for a billionaire, I am also billionaire in Shiba Inu token. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Zara. Um, have you met your uh, billionaire yet? My billionaire, did you say? Yeah, like this guy that impregnated you. Um, well, I was gonna say, yeah, I've met I've met the billionaire, and he's in the in the space right here. But then you pulled in the impregnation card, and um, who was it that said they were a billionaire? Oh, uh, Powell over here or something. Anyway, wait, Zara, I didn't see you. Are you actually pregnant? No, no, it's a bit. Don't ask personal questions, Sintani. Okay, sorry. You're going to make people leave. My bad. I uh, I looked at sperm under a microscope today, and I started dry heaving. That is 
that is uh that's unfortunate you guys just walk around with those those little little guys i just feel so bad for i mean they're so desperate they're just so desperate have you ever looked at them it's so sad have you ever i looked at it daily daily basis under a microscope no not not under a microscope They just swim around. Some of them are like they have messed up tails. They just swim in circles. It's like, dude, isn't that so messed up? When like you get this IVF baby, and they are made by like one of these like retarded spams with no like no tail, no nothing. <laughs> they just got lucky. Did they choose the good the good sperms in the IVF. No. It's not a fair competition. I think they normally like discard a lot of them as well. Yeah. I'm an IVF baby. Are you? Yeah. Do you feel like that's um become like a part of your personality? Do you think you're different to how you would have been if you weren't an IVF baby? Oh, you just accept it and you move on. You do you do the best you can do. It's like um it's like a really short guy, like a guy who's 5'2 or something. He could either get obsessed with his height or he's like, fuck it, I'm going to do all I can and I'm not going to spend a moment thinking about it. Like maybe I'm I'm not going to go for like the tallest girls or something, and maybe I'm not going to put it, myself in a position where it matters. But I'm going to do the best I can with what I have. That's how I feel. Like yeah, I'm like kind of low genetic quality or whatever, but I'm still going to put on the tretinoin. I'm still going to do the resveratrol. I'm still going to do the NMN. I'm still going to take the metformin every day. I'm still going to do my hyperbaric therapy. Yeah, like whatever. Like who cares? It's but yeah, there's definitely the sense that my my body is sort of has a proclivity to to fall apart earlier than it would otherwise do some sort of lack of robustness and if you look at my wrist that they're, they're like i don't know two thirds the size of of my brothers um g- generally just like low low girth of my bones especially at the ends of my bones and also seemingly quite low density also if you run your finger down my shin there's a lot of indents it's quite cratered Whereas if I run my finger down the shit on my brother, it's like very, it's relatively smooth and quite hardened. Um, there's the sense that I'm made of like a, I don't know, like a less robust substance. My bones are more frail. Is it mostly a feeling? No, it's a real like measurement. If you hadn't been told that you were an IVF baby, do you think you'd have an inkling? I think, I think women can pick up on this stuff. I think even if you're yeah. like sliding through Tinder or whatever, you can tell like a guy's wrists are a bit too, a bit too thin. He's a wrist cell. Yeah. And also my mindset, like I like to work on it a lot. Like generally, I'm a sort of a, a person who holds, at, at baseline, I've done a lot of like spiritual work and meditation and stuff. But at baseline, I'm definitely a person who holds massive grudges and resentments and um I would describe myself in one word as a plotter. As in if somebody does something bad for me, I will fester for years and I will try and work out how to get back at them. And I will also store any information I can in a in a file about like potential weaknesses, things they they do that are like maybe a mistake that I can use against them later and stuff. I'm a plotter. It's taken a lot of work for me to to overcome that. And I feel like this this plotter tendency is probably associated with low genetic quality. Because if you look at a lion, 
a lion will expose its neck because it doesn't really care, right? You know, it's the it's the top predator. Um, it's the 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 animal that can defeat any other animal, at least in the Serengeti. Maybe if you put it in Siberia or something, it could lose to a tiger. But in the Serengeti, it's the top animal, um, and therefore it's pretty confident. It exposes its neck and stuff. Whereas me, my natural proclivity was to sort of stay in the dark to plot. Yeah, to, to generally be a pussy. Like you're too and, scared to stand up for yourself, but you'll spend years plotting to beat yeah, around it, the bush. Yeah, exactly. And it feels like that mindset is a direct reflection of my physiology and my lack of robustness. And your soul? or Well, I mean, you can argue if a soul exists or not, but certainly there's a sort of a, a mirroring sense between the physiology and the mindset. Um, so yeah, I think it's affected me a lot. I think I've I've done well to overcome it and to become a co-host. Did you say to become a co-host? Yeah. A co-host of what? Of what? Like these kind of spaces. Oh, so oh, you're saying it, it was all worth it in the end because. Well, I mean, if you look at the amount of social status I have to be a co-host in these kind of places, it's kind of cool relative to. To being IVF baby. No, you you've come a long way. I'm I'm proud of you. Thank you. I uh I can't relate. I'm a I'm a fine genetic specimen. I I was definitely the the strongest sperm and the strongest egg. Was this under like verified with a microscope or something or? No, it's it's kind of I can just tell by my wrist size. Oh, it's a wrist thing. Okay. Yeah, I've I've got a I've got a great jawline. I get made fun of it a lot for it a lot on the internet, but I I know it's good. I know it's there. That jawline is there. There's no uh, there's no mistake mm. about it. Yeah. We could stop talking about you. How if does I ever have a work? son, if I ever have a son, that child is going to be a Chad. Yeah. How does IVF actually work? You take a sperm and they take a little injector that's a tenth the size of a hair and they put it into the egg. Mm. They just like, inject it. You can. You. I was looking at it earlier. Do you want to buy vibranium? If you want to buy vibranium, you can contact me. Buy what? Vibranium. Yes, it's now full of. It's better than uranium. You yeah, can it's a hybrid. a flower, Zara. What? Yeah, it's a flower. You know flowers. Oh, yeah, I think my grandma has some of those in her garden, hybraniums. Yeah. So, like, in my head, I've got the process of IVF. Tell me if this is right or not. They pull out the egg, and they jam a sperm into it, and then they stick the egg back in. Is that correct, more or less? Yeah, but they stick it in the uterus, not in back into the... Uh... Ovary, obviously. Wait, did I come in here like on benzos being socially awkward? 
Yeah. yeah. Was I in here? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I thought I was gonna die. It no, actually it. turned out to be it was a um yeah, I, I've I felt so awkward. Like I did not know how to handle that drug. I, yeah. I, I like even tried socializing online and I just felt weird. I felt like yeah, I felt, felt like actually too. autistic. We felt yeah, it. I felt like no one liked me. I was being weird and I didn't remember what I just said. But um We were all cringing. Okay, I get it. I was so cringy and weird, whatever. But it, I found out that it was a um, a nerve was sending pain signals to my brain um, falsely. So I, I was like getting stabbed for two months by something that wasn't even happening. How do you know it was false? What was it? Because there, there was nothing wrong with my... It was just a mm. nerve... It was just a nerve telling my brain that it was in severe do you, pain. Do you not think it was your your emotional soma, your armoring, telling you something? What? Was it your body giving you the wisdom of knowing you should change something in your life? Or unironically, unironically, not joking, I did learn some some I don't know if you'd classify it as spiritual. I learned some philosophical lessons from being in in that much pain for two months. Like that was crazy. Mm. Like I really learned how to like just be okay with things. Because I mean, like genuinely, genuine. I can't even I can't even imagine it now because it was so intense. It was like getting stabbed over and over again all day long for two months. I mean, it was, it was brutal. Where did it feel like you were getting stabbed? Like, where was it? Oh, right where my appendix is. Um, also, uh, your ovary is there. I thought it could possibly be my liver. No, liver's higher up. Um, ki- kidney. I thought it was kidney stones at first. Because I heard kidney stones is like severe pain. But it, it was right where the appendix is. But it wasn't my appendix. It was a nerve. Like a minor neuritis of some kind. Yeah. Just local pain in the... Okay. Yeah, people can have weird pain syndromes like that. It happens. They told me They told me it was either going to be chronic or it would heal. And there was basically like nothing I could do about it. I just have to see. That's I was genuinely... Correct. I was at the point where I was like, if this is, if this is forever, I might have to kill myself. Like, there's no way. Like, people can't, you can't, that's not, it's not, it was not doable. Yeah, it was pretty severe then, huh? Wow. I, mm. I couldn't walk. I would pass out from pain. Like, I, I had a mental breakdown in the middle of it. I was like, I'm going to Thailand. I'm not laying in bed anymore. I don't care. And so I was like, I'm just going to Thailand. I literally, I had a mental breakdown. And I, I got up, I started packing my bag, and I passed out on top of my suitcase. So I didn't make it mm-hmm. even out the door. So, yeah, it was bad. Did it just, like, one day you just woke up and it was gone? Or did you, like, you know, you Googled it and then you found a YouTube video and you clicked your back and then all of a sudden everything was just fine? Like, what what happened? This is so crazy. No, it it was, well, first I thought it was, like, period pains. Like, first I was like, maybe it's cramps or whatever. 
I don't, it, I don't know. It went, but it went on for two months, and then it stopped for three days, and then came back. And I was like, oh no! And then it stopped for a week, came back for two days, and then it stopped completely. Thank God. And a lot of expensive testing in between, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. They, they. I mean, they tested me for everything, everything. Yeah, all the scans and things uh, would only show you stuff that you can operate on, but not the stuff that can't be operated on. So you wind up with like a bill no matter what, because <laughs> just to get the scans done is expensive. It worked out though. It's all good. Hmm. Sorry for being awkward though. No, it hasn't come back now. Um, and if it does, I'm just jumping out the window. I'm not. I'm not doing that another two months. I mean, it was bad. I did learn some lessons. I learned how to be okay with like severe pain or like, I guess like it made me think about like, if really, really bad things happen, it's okay to just like accept it or whatever. Some corny, corny intellectual ideas that you get being stuck in bed for two months. But all things said, I'm not doing that again. There is no way. I think I have a good suggestion for you. Do not, you should marry a yoga guru, you know? They will teach you yoga and all the pain going to remove. Instead of billionaire, what? you should make a yoga, yoga guru. Teaching of how yoga, much, teacher of yoga. How much money do they have? No, um, they will treat you free and teach you yoga for free and all kind of pain going to remove. No. I mean, if I, if I marry a billionaire, I can just pay for a yoga instructor. Yes, you can. If you if, if you marry a yoga guru, you can be a billionaire. You know, you have to some wear some kind of bikini and do some yoga poses and share that on OnlyFans. People like you know some kind of yoga, hot yoga, something like that. Wait, if I if I marry, wait, are you saying if I marry a yoga instructor, then I can leave him for a billionaire? So now you can, can make teach me him, how to be hot can... enough to land a billionaire, and then I I leave him or. No, you can together. You both both gonna be you know partnership. You gonna be a billionaire. You know, really good yeah. offer. Yeah. To be fair, I I don't I don't want to marry a billionaire. I would just like to have the billions. Mm, I think that. Mm. Interesting to hear your your like approach to the world. Why sometimes. don't Why don't you rob a bank? You know. You should try. You can take the billion dollar from it. Just you have to wear some kind of. Mm, I'd rather stop talking she about thinks crimes. NFTs are cringy, but you wanted to rob the bank. I want to stop talking about crimes and things. It makes me upset. Yeah. I'm getting upset. Hey, Sophie, I have a weird question. Do you believe in acupuncture? What are your thoughts on acupuncture? Mm, it's Never like, ask a doctor about general health. I know. It's not useful for certain things. Um, like, for example, uh, it's like been looked at extensively for like smoking cessation. It has no effect on that particular thing. But as far as like what things it is useful for, I'm not sure. Okay, just curious. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I haven't like. I don't know, Bruce. Have you done a lot of? I think it can help with like some blood flow stuff. Like, uh, I've just had family members do it and claim it works. That's why I was curious about your your thoughts. Yeah, the, generally these kind of um, treatments have some proven effect on something but they always get weirdly overextended as like cure-alls right so like if, if, if there's some specific effects um because we do know that like there is uh 
uh, neurologic system that comes to your skin. And you can feel things like Zintani described here. You can feel pain on the surface of your body from something inside your body. So, for example, a great example of that is like chest pain from a heart attack, right? You don't have any actual pain sensors specifically in your heart, but you feel it in the, um, like the, the chest or in the neck, right? So, can that be manipulated backwards to where if you manipulate those external nerves, you can maybe reduce pain inside your body? It, I guess it's theoretically feasible. Um, people have used like 10 stimulators and different things. So there's definitely a, a bit of a magic to sort of like messing with the neurologic system externally. Um, there's also some interesting like features about how your mind works. Like, I think it's like after about, so if someone were to touch you on your body, like three spots, that's about as much as you can co-localize. Like if someone touches you on your body in five different spots, you won't actually be able to notice all five of them. You'll, you might be able to hone in on one or two of those. So that's kind of an interesting feature of like how the mind works too. So there's definitely some sort of like mind hacks happening. It wouldn't surprise me if um, at all if like acupuncture did something interesting t to your mind and how it responds to pain and such. And there's also what like... What do you mean a, if someone touches you five different places? Um, try it. Like, um, it's just the, it, like a common thing, try, kids. Can I try it without thing. someone being around me? Yeah. Try it's like a common a, thing kids do to each other, right? Like, it's like, imagine you have, uh, imagine you have like, you're like topless or whatever as, as a kid. And then a kid says, how many fingers am I pressing onto what? your back? Stop. What do you, what? Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. So like, you, you know, after a certain number of like, after about three points, your body can't like, co-localize more than that it's really interesting you can try kids it. do it it's, it's like a like yeah. how much like close your eyes I can how many do, fingers i can do you it can to myself how do you do it to yourself yeah you can do it to um, yourself no not really because you would know how many it's interesting even if you yeah well the thing is like if you're using an external object like say for example something with some tines uh you won't be able to a tell if, you, if you just using your like yeah fingers then obviously you can feel which fingers um how many fingers are touching what but yeah, but actually, the point it's is like, more interesting with um with meditation stuff. It's even more interesting, Sefi. Like when you get deeply into meditation, you realize there's more or less a complete linearity of of perception of sensations, meaning that um if you pay very close attention moment to moment, you cannot detect anything more than one sensation at a time, which is kind yeah. of weird. Um, like, like one thing, one interesting thing I'm good at is like, let's say I have like a tension headache. Um, I can usually make it go away. Like if I just sit there for about five minutes and just kind of will it away, um, can make it pretty much disappear. So that's an example of like, um, there's kind of these weird, like mind, body, pain interfaces. And we know that like people with tension headaches as a good example, uh, can benefit from like botulism toxin to the back of the neck. Um, so there's something related to that sort of like literal physical tension, mis muscle tension, whatever it is, and like a feedback loop between that and like tension headaches. And, um, people have like used this sort of thing for therapeutic benefits. So yeah, if you can imagine botulism toxin does some things, it wouldn't surprise me if acupuncture did too, but exactly what, like pair, pairing the acupuncture with a specific solution versus a cure-all, I think is the, is what Bruce was trying to say earlier. People, yeah. people register chords as just one note at a time, which is, I've always found interesting. Say it again. Quartz. Chords. So like you have like multiple notes 
making it a chord. People yeah. people hear just one thing. They don't hear the combination oh, right. of notes. Yeah, because yeah. the wavelengths mm-hmm. are going together. Yeah. I don't know how to explain this to somebody who's not done a lot of meditation or whatever, but it's like if uh, if you sit and um lay your lay both thumbs on your lap or something um and you try and pay really close attention to both the thumbs at the same time if you get really good at meditation you will notice that you cannot perceive both the thumbs at the same time what's actually happening is a very quick back and forth it's it's a linear movement back and forth the mind is like on one sensation then it's on another then it's on another then it's on another and from the perspective of like somebody who's not trained in meditation, it might feel like you're perceiving both thumbs. But meditation in, in some senses is like the effect it has is to speed up the frame rate at which you process how reality is actually unfolding. And when you do that, you notice there's a linearity of sensation, which is really interesting. It's like there's never really more than one thing happening at a time. It's just so fast you can't perceive it. Do you get visuals when you meditate? Are you memeing or not? I never know if you're memeing. No, I used to. I used to be a Buddhist monk. Okay. Is that something you like stop doing formally? Are you like, okay, I'm done with the monk phase, and you like, you, like sign out or something? Yeah, I'm done being a Buddhist monk. I'm autistic now. Well, no, that was like a genuine question because because uh, it was like a former. It's always in the former when you say it. So do you like do you like make that change formally? There was a there was a point where I realized it would have been as easy for me to stay in a monastery for life as it would have been to leave, which was kind of weird. Um, as in, I was completely open to staying there forever. Okay. And, and I think a few things motivated me to switch. One of them was like, I, I sort of got out of meditation what I wanted to, as in the level of peace and zoom and whatever insight I wanted. Um, and just like 10 hours to talk about that. Um, the other thing was that I, I reflected on something, um, some sayings like a lot of people have made. One of them was that like, how, like if, if you think you're enlightened or if you think you're wise or awakened, go and spend two weeks with your family or go back to your workplace right it's like it's like how real is it if you're in the, the yeah, isolated situation off again <laughs> say it again i said go back and see how quickly you get pissed off again well i mean how real is wisdom if you're in a, a relatively peaceful scenario in a monastery with no um worldly things or whatever the other thing was like i just like i like i like the the hindu um advaita vedanta sense of like mind in the jungle and hands in the world mind in the jungle is in like mind in a state of peace or enlightenment or higher wisdom and then hands like directly involved in the world and doing things um and it's sort of there's a a sense of like pussyishness to remaining in a monastery long term where it's like hang on what do you what like okay you've got all this wisdom you meditated what are you actually doing with that shit is it just for you um or are you are you developing it in order to to help others and do things and and spread whatever light you have to other people um there's that as well and then i think on a certain level it's like if you're born as a human being and you have certain talents and you're reasonably intelligent and you can do things 
it seems like a, a sort of a duty to use it all, right? Like it would be almost a shame to squander uh, things I could do by sitting in a, a meditation hall for my whole life or something. I don't know. There's a sense of like an obligation to give to the world, a sense of like wisdom not being entirely real unless it's tested, and also a sense of, of getting what I wanted out of it anyway. Um, but also but like yeah, your, your true nature kind of comes out of that point at some level too. Like, um, you know, how much of that were you in control with and how much is that like you're born in nature? Like, so sitting somewhere, simply meditating forever is something some people do. But like, what is that light switch that goes off in that person's brain versus the one that like decides to go off and have maybe more of a utilitarian view of what they've learned or like the idea that they have to spread it to others or something like that is I think there's something innate within us at that point. Yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it was kind of interesting because I, I realized I could have easily spent my entire life staying there. Like you have to understand the context. I was I was meditating. 16 hours a day every day and then i'd spend two hours in the kitchen chopping vegetables and things around six hours sleep um if i wasn't sitting then i was meditating walking like noticing the sensations in my feet very carefully and when you meditate as well it's completely unsocial as in your you're in it literally a cell it's called a meditation cell in in vipassana um where you you basically go into a closet and sit on the floor on a mat or a chair um, and you're, you're more or less isolated. And there's also generally a rule of, of silence and no eye contact within a monastery, unless it's like the, the necessity of communicating in the kitchen or something. Um, but yeah, like it's very, very isolated, very unsocial, very high time, um, doing that for months and months on end. Um, and at the end of it, I didn't feel a desire to get away. I felt like I could just continue forever. Quite interesting. There's two hands up. I don't know if these people are AFK or raising their hand. Yeah. I wanna but, I wanna ask a question. Go ahead. Okay. I I so I have tried Googling this, okay? It says a bunch of scary stuff. And I've also asked about this. But yeah, if you're if you're if you're legit, every time I meditate, every time I like listen, I like listening to like you know how you can like keep going up and up in frequency? I I like doing that where I'm like trying to find the highest frequency that I can like hear. And then like I'll start seeing things. <laughs> I'm like a crazy person, but I'll like see things in my head with my eyes closed, but with 4K vision. And I'm like blind in real life. I have terrible, terrible vision. But I'll like last time I meditated, I saw a leaf with the moon in the background. I could see the little like dew drops on the leaf, like an image of it in my head that was like 4K. Is that normal or is there something wrong with me? No, no, normal. Absolutely normal. Is is it normal to see vision? I, I find I have a lot more of those vivid visions after um, psychedelics and stuff, but. No, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like a psychedelic ish thing, but it's almost like you're like closing your eyes, but actually, but your eyes are open somewhere and very clean. Or like I know it's just me making up, like there wasn't any meaning to it. It's just it was just a leaf, but 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't under, like what is what is that? So, meditation overall is is a description for like it's a huge umbrella description for thousands and things you could do with your eyes closed, sitting down, or even standing up, or even walking. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what you mean by tuning into frequency. Are you like listening to something or what? Oh, like, well, I heard someone say that. And I just found that it was very easy for me to like get into the zone of like, so I like the idea or the concept of putting a timer on your phone for like 30 minutes or an hour mm -hmm. and just sitting there. I found that it was easiest to do that when I was like, so you know how, like, if you listen to the space around you right now. Ah, so like the sounds going on the environment okay yeah okay. but i would try to find the highest pitch of yep. that frequency range and it's quite high like it's very yeah. it's almost like a mosquito it's more higher than a mosquito and it's yeah, all that's the one time thing. that's interesting like it's um so generally meditation you have an object you concentrate the mind on and that object could be the feeling of the breath it could be a candle flame it could even be the like the active search for the highest frequency on an ongoing basis or something. It doesn't really matter what it is. Um, but yeah, you, you, by doing that, by I doing that, that's what? another thing that I think something might be wrong with me because when they say focus on your breath, that always feels really uncomfortable. Like I hate that sensation of breathing in when I'm focusing on it. Maybe am I fucked up? Is this, is this some, no, it's like focusing on your heartbeat. When when you focus no. on like a motor function, it's kind of weird for your brain because it's like already happening. It's um it's gross, right? It's like nasty. It, it you just need a good teacher or whatever. Like it's it's definitely possible to do all these things in a way that makes you hyper aware of things and even uh, develop neurosis and stuff. Like it's possible to meditate in a way that makes you hyper fixated on all the sensations in your body and your heartbeat and your palpitations and the fact that you can interrupt the unconscious patterns and, and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of like your, your visualizations and things, no, it's just like your, your mind is concentrated by the active search or the, the, the resting on the object of the highest frequency. And then as a result of that, your, your mind um, concentrates and shifts into a slightly different state. It sounds like you're, you're shifting into more of like a, a hypnagogic state, like the, the pre-sleep state or something the kind of thing that um that like um edison and other people did remember that have you heard of that like famous thing like um edison lying on a bed with a, a a ball bearing or a metal ball in his hand upright and then um he falls asleep and as he falls asleep the the, the ball bearing or the metal thing drops on the floor and then the task was like to to fall asleep as much as he could without dropping the ball bearing and therefore, um, he would utilize the, the state of, of hypnagogia, the pre-sleep creative vivid imagery state to come up with these new ideas and, and generate inventions and things. I really like it, man, because my eyes are so bad. I never really get to see, even with contacts, I can't really see things. This one time, I, this one time when I meditated, I saw three grasshoppers on a, on a truck, on a green truck. But it was so vivid. It was so cool. It was like having eyes. Any, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, but if you guys aren't doing visuals, then how are you entertaining yourselves while meditating? I don't get it. Like you're just sitting there focusing on breathing. That sounds like hell. 
depends why you're meditating. Like you can, you can get many things out of meditation. It really depends what you want to get out of it. It can be an entertainment thing. It can be a sort of a, like a, a weird psychedelic um, cinema thing. It could be a thing to develop real insight. It could be a thing to deconstruct your sense of self. It can be a thing to see through your thoughts. It can be a thing to make you more calm. It can be a thing to um, loosen up your stored traumas in the body and the mind. It could be like it'd be anything. People use it for different reasons. It could just be a thing to increase productive output. That's how it's marketed in Silicon Valley and stuff these days. You have companies now allocating a 20-minute period where if you work at the certain company, you must be, do the 20-minute meditates a day. Because by doing the 20 minutes of meditation, we know we're going to get more out of you for the remaining seven hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> it's kind of become this disgusting productivity tool and stuff as well. Okay, but I feel like, are you really a monk? Because I feel like you're doing the thing where like, it's like therapists, where you're like not actually saying anything. Like, does it mean I'm fucked up if when focusing on my breath, it's like nasty? Yes. No, it's normal. It, it, but it means normal? you're, it means you're, you're just doing something random. Like, um, if, if meditation is making you neurotic and fixated on sensations in a negative sense, it's not helping you. So the, the visualizing stuff is good. I'm doing it right. It, like I'm saying, you can, you can set a goal with meditation and then there are specific things to do to achieve that goal. It sounds like you're concentrating your mind and maybe it's chilling you out and maybe you're having a nice experience. And maybe that has some sort of um, baseline relaxation effect, but it, it also sounds like it's sort of just a like a random thing you're doing out of curiosity. No, no, it just happens. Yeah, it's just so it's final curious. Stop breathing because that's not working out for me. Is what what I should take from this? I mean, if you've done many things, just choose the one that that makes you feel best. Yeah, not, oh. not the breathing one. Do what you think is right. Coach, I love this topic, man. You should do a spaces on this. Just It's crypto, so like nobody's into this stuff. They're just into oh, I am. I, stuff. I can riff all day on this stuff, man. This is cool shit. I'm, what, I'm sure there's what, people in the audience. What's your coolest meditation experience? Is that for me or coach? Coach. The he's he's a monk, dude. Are you are you a monk too or what? If you're a monk too, then I want to know from you too. No, I'm not a monk. I just uh read a lot. Do you I didn't hear any of that. You just what realized. What what's No, I, I said I just read a lot read a lot i study a lot uh, it's you know it's a superpower if you get meditation down for you it's it's a superpower it affects everything in life it makes you a better human all the way around better investor uh better parent better dad better better son you name it yeah but we're mm. talking about meditation right now what's it coach what's the coolest coolest meditation experience it it, it sort of depends um what the question means like the there are coolest cool, one come on there man. are interesting there are interesting things and then there are persistent things that happen in meditation um like interesting things is the realm of stuff like 
fantastical experiences you could not believe would happen and perceptions of of past lives or potential like telepathic experiences things that sort of blow your mind that Okay, you're doing the thing where you're like not answering, you're like being brought. So you had a past life experience? What was no, that? I'm giving you, I'm giving you a high level. Like there's, there's no, entertainment I don't want, stuff. I want, and then yeah, there's stuff that that's like what I'm asking. changes. There's, and then there's stuff that changes you very long term, which yeah. is more interesting what to was me. The, okay, I'm more interested in the entertainment stuff. What, what was the coolest that you've had? You, um, not one or like as a concept i didn't hear the last bit said again like i'm not asking what happens when people meditate i'm asking you what is the coolest experience that you had while meditating you're you're asking something that it doesn't relate to me but what i think was the coolest experience was a permanent shift in my experience from the the construction of my sense of self from thoughts and mental stories towards a sense of being pure awareness or nowness or presence through that, which okay. that is so boring do you you exactly. know, what you said something <laughs> about past lives what was that what happened yeah there? That, that's the point it's like you're asking what you're interested in not, not what i'm interested in right so. yeah well yeah i said what's cool the coolest I've yeah. had um I've had interesting like past life uh memories or impressions and things that I've then later researched. I've had um insights that made me feel like What what was it? What was it? It's a, many long stories, but let me let me summarize the topics. I've had um No, I don't Oh my god. You're making you're taking something very interesting and you're making it very boring. Just go into specifics like what past life? What memory? I don't know. You're being a girl. Okay. All right. Go ahead. I've had a lot of experiences that made me feel like reality was this like huge information machine where everything occurs simultaneously, including all lives um, that have ever occurred. And that as a, like a conscious entity or a mind involved in that system, you can access basically anything. Um, including apparent past lives, including other lives, including the emotions of others, including events in in time in apparent time and space away from you. Um, yeah. That was super Every, interesting. Okay, everyone who's ever done a psychedelic understands that. But what specifically, what memory did you access that you looked up later? Loads of um, loads of. Oh my of, god! I, I'm I'm. This is my thirteenth reason. We, just what? What is the coolest experience? What is the coolest memory that you had that you looked up later? This is not how you get people to tell stories. I do, I do, I'm asking you like the same question over and over again, and you're making it very broad. Just, I'm not asking for the broad. I'm asking, what, what did you? I want to hear that story. Do you know I feel like I'm being interrogated, and I feel less likely to say anything. Okay. Jesus Christ, dude. Like, like when you talk to a monk, you know, you want to know what that monk has. You don't want to hear. I don't want a sermon. Yeah, but I feel like I'm okay? dealing with a TikToker who wants like a 10 second soundbite or some shit. I don't want a 10. No, I want a story. You're you're ta you're like broadly speaking about not yourself. 
Hello. If you went on a 10 minute, a 10 minute monologue, which you do often, but you did this about, I would be listening intently the whole time muted. But I am inviting you to do that. Can I, can I just say something like these type of experience is hard to put into words. It's, it needs to be personal. Like you have to just trial and experiment with it. Like I think it's hard for Bruce to even put into words. That's know. stupid. I did DMT and my skull ballooned out and I was inside my skull and I saw a worm that was yeah, orange and royal blue and it was endlessly curling into itself and it was in my brain. Yeah, you like there you go. That's what I'm asking. Sort of short circuiting your brain yeah. with psychedelics will give you kind of like the wildly fantastical experiences. I don't yeah. think like most meditative experiences can be described in the same way. It's, it's actually very mild. Yeah. There's also there's also the sense that like when you when you experience enough things in meditation a lot of the things like this just become uninteresting because it's like even if i have a past life experience and it's super vivid and maybe i can try and prove something about it is is correct and it doesn't seem to have arisen from my my memory or the films i've watched or the, the movies i watched or whatever it's still just another experience it's another piece of content in reality that okay, that doesn't fundamentally mean it? anything okay it doesn't matter what was it or one of them. Um, I've had a, a lot. Like I've, I've probably had 20, 20 or so distinct things where it's like I've had a, a vision of um, the end of a life and a death um, that seemed to come out of nowhere. Like a lot of them came out of um, being on very, and, and I never was even interested in this stuff, which was quite interesting as well. Um, some of them, some of them sort of happened when I was on a, a, like a very extended three month retreat where I was just silent and didn't speak to a single soul for three months um one of them for example was i was i was like i think in the middle of a three-month retreat um meditating 16 hours a day in a monastic in a monastic setting and i think there was a period of, of maybe two three hours where i'd had almost no thought activity at all just like dwelling in in what you would call silence or stillness for a long long time just all of the normal activity, the analytical thought just seemed to sort of cease almost. Um, and then I had a, a burst of, of imagery, which was really interesting. And one of the images I had was I was walking out of a jungle. Like if you imagine something like a Brazilian or a, um, a Peruvian rainforest, um, it felt like it was somewhere around 1920 because I, I'd walked out of like a, a jungle, a thick, dense jungle rainforest. And um, in front of me was a landing strip. And the landing strip had been cut out of the forest, seemingly for a, a propeller plane or something, maybe 30 feet across to, to accommodate for the wings, um, had been cut out, like a, a, a thin landing strip had been cut out of the forest, maybe with lumberjacks or whatever and some machinery and stuff. And then in front of me was a 1920s looking propeller plane with sort of one of those... Um, rigid hexagonal outer bodies that almost looked like and you could see the the nuts and bolts on the outside of the plane right um i, I don't know what kind of plane it was but clearly it, could you could see the it? engineering of it you know on modern planes it's sort of a smooth surface whereas this one you could see like where all the rivets were and everything um and i was in uh in like a suit and there was the sense i'd completed some kind of dangerous business of some form um and i i climbed up that like the the stairs came down at the back of this plane and I climbed up onto it and then 
climbed up at an angle and took my seat. And then inside the plane were various sort of um, military dressed people, some random people who look kind of like gangsters, some low level militia type people, um, a, a lot of different people. And the memory then continued that this plane took off on this landing strip. And there was a very unique um, scene of this place because it was a landing strip cut out of a jungle, but there were two high mountains to the right-hand side of the landing strip. And um, all of this was covered in dense overgrowth of the jungle canopy. And um, the interesting thing was with this particular runway, the plane needed to reach a sufficient altitude to then go through the two peaks of these jungle canopy covered mountains or hills. Um, and the, the memory was basically like we took off and I'm looking around at everyone in the airplane and I, I have this sense of familiarity. I also have this sense of danger, like something is some kind of weird business, right? Some kind of dangerous thing. And there's a weird sense that I'm in a suit and everyone is like, um, some kind of military or like almost a guerrilla fighter or something like there's, there's something going on here. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like some, some mining of some minerals or I no idea. Um, anyway, we take off the plane bears to the right to go through these apparent, like the valley between the two mountains to get enough altitude. Um, and then it stalls, like it, it, it stalls the, the, the propeller like chokes out. Um, and then there's like an attempt to get it back running again, but it doesn't, um, the, the plane just straight stalls. And then there's some like fear and, and panic and stuff. And the plane crashes into the jungle canopy. Um, and and that's the end of that that memory, but it, it's it was a very interesting thing because it came out of nowhere, and I couldn't find a single reference within my own experience within books, within movies, within stories I had been told, um, within the, the the context of the thoughts I'd had in the preceding days or weeks to that. I also couldn't find a sense of specialness, which was interesting as well because when you think about like people having past life experiences or apparent past life experiences, then often it's like, oh, I was Heraclitus, I was I was Pythagoras, I was Shakespeare, I was whoever, right? I was some famous psychic. Or I couldn't find any sense of like ego or specialness. I was just like some guy in a jungle taking off, crashing. And there was a very weird distinctness about this place that I've, I've been trying, I've like, I found some candidates. I've, I've been searching uh, for it and stuff because it kind of interested me. I'm, I'm curious if anyone knows where this might be. Um, this is one of the ones I haven't identified. Um, but it, it's it, like, it, it seems like it's. Do you remember what the trees look like? Just a, a regular, like, thick rainforest jungle canopy. And, but quite um, not too hilly overall, fairly flat. And then the sort of like an indented with a surrounding mountain range but all of the mountain range covered in, in trees and the plane going specifically through like a valley in two of the largest ones. I would recognize it if I saw a photo or a video or something. Uh, you, if, you, if you, I don't know how good you are at drawing, but, and I know yeah, this I was probably it. a while ago, so it would be hard to, if you draw it and then reverse image search it, maybe you could find like the model maybe. of the plane. Maybe, I'd probably need to something. need to look at like, um, South American landing strips and things. It might also be something that the the forest since consumed, right? I don't know. But the thing is, like, I had a lot of these kind of experiences that were like fragments of a life and and the end of the life, um, and a sense of the personality and a sense of who I was, and a sense of of the death, the end of it, um, 
and they would i would say they were like almost all of them were devoid of any kind of specialness and devoid of any kind of reference experience in movies or whatever um the trouble is with with meditation is like you never know whether something is imagination or not um and you never know whether something relates to some kind of memory or not in some obscure way but with these experiences there was definitely a sense that like there was just no no real sense of incentive or reference to it um more of a sense that react like it was much more of a sense that that i had entered some sort of state that meant reality as an informational machine glitched and poured through some kind of experience of someone else um also if you have an apparent past life experience it doesn't mean it's yours right like even even within the realm of of acknowledging that that reincarnation and maybe it's not maybe it is is a real thing you don't need to acknowledge that they are your lives like maybe you could have a model where you have some experience of an apparent life but that is not your life that is just something you are tuning into right it doesn't mean it's yours yeah and, i mean it, it it doesn't it doesn't matter right but um certainly but, like I, lots I, of like lots of interesting stuff and then um that's one thing and then another thing is like prophetic things like i would i would have a like a daydream within meditation of a specific series of sentences and then somebody would say it like half a day later and weird I, I would i would categorize these experiences as like weird interesting glimpses into how reality might work as an as like an informational machine and also um to some sense confirmation that something is there as in when you have some deeply prophetic or um i don't know like psychic or some kind of experience like that it motivates you to continue down the path right or when you have some kind of breakthrough like you're you're sitting in meditation and suddenly your apparent physical body just dissolves into to like exquisite vibrations and light in a, a sense that you're having an endless orgasm or something these kind of experiences happen um and then what you take from it is not that the experience itself is special but that there is something there to find that motivates you to continue, right? It's like, it's like um, you you start meditating and you really commit, and then along the path you're presented with these interesting little nuggets of treasure that say like, there's something to this, and if you continue, then interesting things happen, and also if you continue, then maybe the glimpses you're having on a short-term basis might become a more permanent reality, um, and then also things happen like maybe to start with before meditation you you have some negative thoughts or mental stories in your head my boss said something to me bad or um you know this person did a bad thing about me or or i'm a certain person or my my history is this or somebody is fucked whatever like you have mental stories happening in your head all the time right or somebody says something mean to me on twitter spaces and then in meditation suddenly you have the same kind of thoughts but you just don't care like you you're just zoomed out perfectly it's like thoughts are appearing on a screen and they are no longer you. You, 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 you. you develop a new relationship to them. You realize yourself as, as more the context of all of the thoughts than the thoughts themselves. Things like that happen all the time. It's like, oh, hang on a minute. I thought I was the thoughts, but now like, I see I'm, I'm the observer of the thoughts. Like, it has no impact on me. It cannot blemish or dent what I am in any sense. Um, things like that happen. And all, like, all of these things, though, um, tend to be temporary experiences or glimpses that motivate you to carry on, right? It's almost like there's a sort of grace at play where 
it's like you're you're taking one step towards spirituality or or God or some higher wisdom, and then in response, it gives something to you like a clue. It's like here you go. Here's like here's an experience of a new relationship with thought, or here's um, a glimpse that psychic things can actually happen sometimes, or here's here's a, a total transformation in your experience of your body, where you thought you had pain and, and density and hardness and tension and now it's like this exquisite thing where you feel like you're you're walking around but in fact you're two inches off the floor and you feel like everything is spacious and boundless and clean and fresh and and beautifully calm you have these experiences all the time and then that's what motivates you to carry on and, and take the path more seriously um i had a lot of these things happen very early and it was like it was like they it was like they unfolded to give me the clue that there was something worth finding that then motivated me to sit for you know a year or two meditating solidly um and then in the end it, it it did seem like it was all worth it but the interesting thing was that in the end the early experiences like the past life stuff or the psychic stuff or whatever was sort of um almost seen as entertainment or kind of meaningless so it's like you asked me if something is interesting well the answer is like was interesting at the time but not in the long run i i think that the like when when people start talking about like i I, when i think back on to because i'm not a fucking monk but i am i am a mind goblin like i experience life through my mind so i i tend to have like or I, i can relate to a lot of what you're talking about but i find the experiences where it's there is a detachment of ego much more interesting than um than uh you know, like getting a prophecy or like having something to prove to someone else to show that uh, I've unlocked some psychic something. Because I think there does seem to be like when when I meditate and I see these things, they're so clear and they mean nothing. But I'm also 100% sure there have been grasshoppers on a green truck somewhere like that. That's definitely happened there's been three grasshoppers on a truck somewhere and i wonder like if it's possible that we can tap into these things and i think like if i if i were if i were to wonder if that's possible i would be much more inclined to believe that we can if it is detached from ego because i don't think the universe revolves around the human experience so if you have like someone who says like I meditated and I I was a Cleopatra in my past but then, life, like the it's mind much can less convince, interesting to me. The mind can convince itself that anything is real though, so it doesn't really confirm sure, anything. But, like it's sure, it, yeah, because like you can see schizophrenics doing it all the time. Sure, but it's fun. It's it's cool. It's cool to think about. Yeah, so like I, I think like to it's a bit more of a reach to be able to prove like hey uh, this was a definite past life experience or something weird like that versus. Mm-hmm. This is just to me, my mind like, confirming. But I'm yeah. sure, like, there was a dude coming out of a jungle, like, getting into a plane. Like, that's probably fucking happened. To me, it doesn't really matter. Like, like even if you have the experience and you were to confirm it in some way, um, it would like it, it wouldn't mean that it was your life, and it also wouldn't really change your current it experience. Does, now. It doesn't matter. It's cool. The cool thing about stuff. brain states that's unusual is like, let's say you do have a dream about something, or maybe you. Uh, dream of a group of people in a plane or whatever. Um, this space within your mind 
and whatever like internal reality is within the known universe in your head. So like when you create this in your head, what does that actually mean? Um, is that just part of how the universe works? Like, right? Like it's like the sentient space or whatever the, the, you know, the latent space in your head or whatever it is, like you've created something, even if it's like, let's say it wasn't uh, like a past thing, but let's say you just vividly invented this in your head somehow, it's still pretty miraculous in a sense. Like you're bringing something into the universe that exists somewhere that only you can see, but um, exists nevertheless, right? The things inside your head exist because if they didn't, how would you notice them? It's a pretty interesting like feedback loop. It's like a inner inner universe or whatever you want to call it. That was the mm. that was the last question I took into my DMT trip because I always whenever I trip I always have a question. My last question was, is this a hallucination? Is it all in my head or is it real? So I almost asked earlier if you've ever done DMT when you talked about seeing stuff when you close your eyes. That's a lot of why. No, I was I was seeing stuff when I meditated, even when I was like, no, no, no that's what I'm saying. Oh, like when you were a kid before yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you I still have imagination. I'm just an imaginative uh, brain, I think, maybe, if, um, if, if, yeah, it, yeah. if it's not normal. But when you're but, going to sleep, do you see the same? Do you see images in your, in your mind before you sleep? Me? No, I don't dream. A lot of people just aren't aware of this stuff, Zara by the way, like um, one of the interesting things about sleep, like, okay, so another interesting thing about long-term meditation for me was that I, I developed at periods almost a continual 24-hour awareness of, of like um, most of the sleep stages and the transitional stages over time. It was like I'd somehow neuroplastically modified my brain to stay alert during the body asleep stages. That was really interesting. Um, but one thing you, you, you learn about sleep, if you investigate it with meditation and, and maybe through um, some neuroscience stuff, is like often there's awareness there and there's the present experience there within dreams, but the faculty for memory and the storage of information and, and the memory of it after the fact is offline. So it's like you ask someone if they have dreams and they say no, and you ask someone if they have hypnagogic imagery and things, and they say, well, I don't think so. Well, it's not that they weren't there experiencing it. It's that the memory wasn't formed or doesn't carry on to the waking state. It's just short term. Yeah, that's true. I, I rarely, rarely remember my dreams. When I, when I remember it, it's usually something like pivotal. If I remember a dream, I know something shit's about to go down. And it does. Someone's about to break up with me or something. And then yeah. they do. <laughs> I think that like sleep talking in general is generally kind of um an expression of just seeing stuff in your head when you're going to sleep and just the starts of dreams and i'm always saying um to my husband when we're going to sleep i'm like i i start talking to him as though we're in the dream together and i'm like oh did you see that bird and things like that kind of but and he he says he's he that doesn't happen to him but i just thought it's like a 50 50 thing some people are more schizoid when they go to sleep maybe There are uh, uh, like practices for things like shared dreams, which are interesting as well. Do you remember the, did you read the Robert Monroe books, Sarah? I think I recommended them to a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. I read it. It was good. Yeah. One of the I things he, like... one of the things he did is he had a lab um, where he, he trained people 
to have out-of-body experiences or astral projection experiences. And one of the parts of the training of people was that he, he tried to induce um, shared dreams or shared um, out-of-body experiences with them. And he apparently had some success with that. <laughs> kind of interesting. Like, so, so one thing like to try with your loved ones is to, to have a really strong intention. Like say you're falling asleep in bed together or something. I've never shared a bed with anyone, so I wouldn't know. But like, um, if you share a bed with a husband or whatever, boyfriend, set a really strong intention to have the same dream. And then when you wake up, try and like test if, if you shared a dream and see if there are common elements or whatever that either of you wouldn't have known before the fact. Yeah. Yeah. I always like to say that. And I'd say let's let's hang out in the dreams. We don't set a we don't set a destination. <laughs> so maybe that's the, the mistake there. Yeah, yeah. Meet somewhere, like meet on on the the top of that um Jesus statue in Rio or something. Somewhere distinct. The problem is like you have two REM cycles in one sleep session, right? So, and you only remember the one you're w woken up in the middle of. So maybe I think you, you can meet just in separate times and the other person doesn't remember. You can train all these things, by the way, like all, everything related to sleep. Remember it the whole... Highly trainable. No, I don't believe that. That you can remember like your first REM cycle after you've gone through the second. One of my, um, uh, one of my girlfriends, she didn't remember anything about dreams or whatever. And then, um, started keeping a, a diary, a dream diary. And every day when she woke up, she wrote stuff. And every day when she was falling asleep, she had an intention to remember more and more stuff. Right, um, but and then by the time, cycles. I'm okay. saying by the time of like six months of, of dating her, she was remembering like tons of stuff frequently like and like every morning days? she would write like three pages of her dreams <laughs> it's quite interesting um so i i'm i'm a believer that you can train this stuff and also from my meditation experiences and it seems I, like I would point out like also that uh like with these things they're highly variable from person to person so just because like someone else can do them doesn't mean you can automatically um and uh like zin mentioned also like there's uh it depends how much time you sleep too. Like, do you actually sleep long enough to have uh, the late REM memorable dreams? You may or may not, but like, can it be trainable? Yeah, probably so. Like, there's no question that if I sleep longer, I'll dream more. Like I'll have noticeable waking dreams. I can remember what I was dreaming at that moment. But if I tend to sleep shorter time period, like six hours or something, I don't remember anything because I probably don't actually have like extensive REM sleep at that point. Um, if you're like an anesthetic induced, um, sleep, which is a deep non-REM sleep, like benzodiazepines, uh, if you use any kind of benzos, if you use any kind of, um, like propofol, things of that nature, you're basically not dreaming anything. You're basically like dead inside mm -hmm. during. Yeah. It's a zombie sleep. It completely changes sleep architecture. Yeah. To the extent that it's actually probably not refreshing. In fact, like some studies of like anesthesia on people on ventilators and such, like it would like the most obvious, if you had a patient on a ventilator and they were sick with uh, lung disease for, let's say, several weeks, acute respiratory distress syndrome or something, the obvious thing that most families and patients would think is, well, you'd want that person to sleep the whole time because who wants to suffer on a ventilator? Turns out that's not true. Like the more time you are awake and just simply laying there with a tube in your throat, the better off your, it is for your brain. And um, 
the less sedation you get exposed to, the better. Like that's not the common sense. Like nurses will say, oh, I want to keep them comfortable. I don't want this to happen, whatever. They're agitated, but actually it's not good for your brain. And some data suggests that even those like um, sedation induced sleep modes, like where you're more non-REM sleep, actually cause cortical decay. And like if you do MRI scans like nine months or a year later, your brain is actually shrunken over that time period. So it's not really particularly good. Like it's better not to be on drugs generally. Otherwise, uh, you're going to lose cortex um, over time. So like, yeah, sleep and all the different elements of it and how different people experience it is dramatically different. So what you don't want to definitely do is like assume that like just because I don't feel a certain way or a certain thing that's not possible um, or that like, yeah, subjective experience of these things is where it varies quite wildly um, a lot. So, um, within a certain range, I mean, like of rationality, but like there's a, some people just tell like just nonsense stories that aren't true, but like many things you can believe. I'm pretty good at the bullshit detector as far as like what people can believe, like what they actually think they believe and what they don't. Uh, it's pretty interesting stuff. But, um, yeah, like, uh, as far as like remembering things, um, I think people's depth of memory regarding dreams and how vivid and detailed dreams can get is highly variable too. Like if you really think about it, most people do not dream at high level of detail. Um, like if, like how often do you find like that you're reading, writing on some surface or something like that? Right. Not very often. Um, I think someone made a funny joke that like, even though we spend so much time on our smartphones and shit, have you guys noticed that like, you don't really dream of your phone. Isn't that weird? Like, it's not a very common experience. I've heard that a few times. About remembering dreams. Um, I think in Spain, there's an artist, Salvador Dali. He, um, he draw a lot of trippy stuff. And there was a method. He was someone recorded in an artist book. He says Salvador Dali would sit on a couch holding a heavy coin in one of his hands. And then directly under the coin is a plate. And he would fall asleep on the couch. And as he's going to deep sleep, he would just let go of the coin, obviously just by relaxing. And then that sound would wake him up. And oftentimes he would remember the dream and he'd draw it. Just thought it was relevant, remembering dreams. There's, um, there's, there's actually this story um, for like 10 inventors and artists. <laughs> so nobody is quite sure who actually did it to start with. It, it tends to be in like these weird self-development books and things. It's like a, a practice. Here is the practice of the genius. The genius <laughs> held a ball bearing above his head. And then when he fall asleep, he had the hypnagogic state and he channeled that into infinite invention. You can do it. You know, it's like this kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly true that you can use intention and training to tune into certain states that usually you would not remember or be fully cognizant of. Um, and, and a lot of that can be channeled to stuff. Have any of you had a maladaptive daydreaming disorder at any point? I've had pretty much everything. Have you, have you really, have you really had maladaptive daydreaming disorder? I've had sleep paralysis. Okay. You're, you're doing this thing where you're like being annoying and not but what, like, like, what are you, are you talking about? Like, um, I used to have it as a kid. And I know it's supposed to be a disorder, but it was the coolest shit. Where I feel like it's just, um, it's just like an overdiagnosis, like maladaptive daydreaming. Like, what well, you're just daydreaming too much. No. What is it? What do you no. want to describe? Describe so, like, the actual thing. When I was a kid, I was in 
like I had a really luxurious, amazing early childhood. And then also an early childhood was like thrown into foster care. It was really, really bad. So I would like make these worlds and these other lives like in my head. I just tune out and I'd be there and I would have friends and I, I had a whole life. Like I had a, I had a fucking dragon named Taco and I raised him from an egg. Like every day I would like live this other life of like, so that's where it goes into like maladaptive daydream. It, it's classified as a disorder and you're, you're technically, you're just dreaming in real life or not in real while you're awake, but it's really, it's really cool. I can't do it anymore. I wish I could. I think that's the sort of thing's likely to happen if you've had something traumatic happen to you. So for example, like a breakup or something like that, you miss somebody, somebody died and um, you just rather like try to spend as much time remembering them as possible. You might try to sleep more so that you can see them in dreams. You might try to um, daydream them. I think as a child, maybe it's less intentional, more involuntary. And as adults, it becomes a bit more intentional, I think. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a thing. And it, and it, uh, if like, yeah, if you've ever lost someone and you really thought, them, thought about them a lot, um, it starts to borderline on that pretty quickly. I think like the, the, you're almost like wishing you'll meet them if you dream like that type of thing. And then you could have the opposite too. Like, uh, like you mentioned, like maybe you just, uh, dream of something else because it, it's just something you don't want to think of, right? Someone died or whatever. Right. And, uh, the like you, you'd rather not experience that so the opposite could happen talking to you always gives me good song ideas i i know that's got to be a line that's got to be a line in many <laughs> songs like i'm just dreaming so i can see you again or something i bet put them on a notepad I, <laughs> that's got to be that's got to be done, but it's, that's good. That's a good one. No, but have none of you, none of you like experienced that as a kid where you're like, see, like I missed that shit. That was cool. That was, I, 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 I try to do it sometimes. Like I miss Taco. I want to know what happened. I want to, I want to know what happened to that fucking dude. I was big ass white dragon, you know? almost like a book you, that you've read and it's ended. Now you want to experience that again, but like, yeah, you can't, you're like waiting for another chapter of the book or another version of it. And it's like, the story's over and you can't get back to it. Yeah. I've mm -hmm. like sat and tried to like imagine, but it's not quite the same. It's not, it's not yeah, like it's not that. The same you thing. like zone out as a kid or it's like easier. As it's a not as intense. It's yeah. Just, it's just not as intense. Yeah, because like, I think there's like a hormonal component to it, too. Like when you have a lot of, um, uh, you know, when you have a lot of excess uh, norepinephrine surging through your body and kind of like there's a stress response um, that's happening simultaneous to this, um, the perception of everything is different. And the like creation of your dreams, I think, a little bit different as well. And when you don't have like that whole like hormonal mess was necessary to generate that experience and recreating it after the fact is not so easy unless you, uh, just cause you can't put that condition back together. Like your body's just not the same this, the second time around. You're unromanticizing my romanticization of <laughs> mental illness and I, I don't appreciate it. 
or whatever it is. Yeah, like, you see what I mean. You don't, you don't have to include that, man. You don't have to. This is a stress response with, you know. Yeah, I mean, like you skip yeah. over that. It's kind of like a, I don't know. It's uh, when you deal with like patients and things like PTSD and whatever. Um, you do have to tend to like break this down a little bit, understand it and see kind of what, what kind of experiences people are replicating. So you can kind of like deconstruct that. Cause it's like PTSD is a sense of maladaptive memory, right? Your inability to forget. And you're having like these sympathetic experiences that you'd rather forget, but you can't. So, uh, that's another thing about memory too, is like, there's something kind of protective about our ability to forget and, um, like the inability to forget certain things in certain ways is probably maladaptive. And maybe in other ways, like, like photographs, a great example, like um, photographs in some ways are probably beneficial. You can remember people that you've lost, whatever, and maybe it'll help you with grieving and whatever. On the other hand, like in, there used to be a universe in which we didn't have photographs and we didn't have drawings of people. And when they were gone, they were just simply gone. And um, human beings have spent a lot of time, like figuring out how to like, save copies of their likeness and paintings and photos and whatever else. And um, is that better or is it just better to just forget? Because like, think about it, like if you go past your parents or grandparents, you don't remember anybody anyway. You, th you really have a strong recollection of your great grandparents? No. Are, is your life any worse for it? Not really. You have any recollection of your great, great parents, great grandparents? Probably not. What about, you know, five generations ago? Do you have memory of them? No. Do you carry on your life fine? Yeah. So like well, some of these things are not uh, like deep, aggressive memories and trying to re recollect them to me is not necessarily um, like that's what Bruce was saying. Like earlier, it's like the being in the now and being like super present um, almost is the is the interest, most interesting part of the uh, meditative experience. It's like you basically don't need all the rest of it too much <laughs> and probably is not even all that helpful. Um. After enough like experiences in meditation and maybe I don't know psychedelic stuff or whatever anyone's path is, you realize that all content is kind of the same. And the more interesting thing is your relationship to the content. As in, um, I can have any number of thoughts, but like, what is my relationship to the thoughts, or what is my relationship to the to the sense of self? Like, what is the sense of self? Like in in on an ultimate perspective, like, what the hell is it to wake up to life? Like, wh what is this moment, this experience of life? Like, like, what is that exactly? And what is my relationship to all of the content within that? Like, all of that can change persistently with meditation and is, is much more interesting as a result. And um, probably of interest to most people is like all of the things that seem to cause suffering to most people, like the mental stories and, um, interpretations and the ongoing mental narrative that creates who you think you are, who you were, who you're becoming, um, who, who other people, uh, imply you are, all of this stuff can just deconstruct completely. And the sense of identity can, can instead be constructed out of this basic sense of, of nowness or presence or awareness through which everything seems to, to flow in or flow through. Um, that that was like probably the most interesting thing with meditation for me, just the the complete inversion of like the the background and the foreground, or the sense of being a self constructed out of thought, and then later just seeing thoughts as the same as everything else. Like to me, there's no difference between 
um, thoughts and sounds and sights. It's it's all the same, really. I mean, that that's true. Steph, you said that earlier. Like, you can't experience, or I don't think you said it verbatim, but you can't experience the universe as it is. Everything you experience is siphoned through your head. Everything. Well, from the perspective of meditation, even this is like a, would be a mental story and a, a model, something you've memorized from a book or whatever. Like the, the idea of like being a self with a brain, with a head that processes shit is like shit you've read in a book and, and memorized through some objective understanding and details in studies and your model of the world and all this stuff. But even all of that is like a relatively recent invention. It's basically materialism. Um, it's one model of seeing things. Meditation tends to, to deconstruct what, all models. What, what, hold on. What, is the, what are the other models? What, what's an example of a model that... Uh... No, model as in like, um, had you not ever had biology classes, have you ever not understood that there was a brain inside your head, let's say, for example. Let's say you lived There's in a trajectory. You knew none of this, right? Like you would have a different story about how you perceive the universe. Now, what happens is you insert brain and neurology and chemistry. And interesting, like another thing too, is like, even when it comes to brain science, as technology improved, like calculators, then computers, then AI and whatever, like as each new tech arrived, people would use those analogies to describe like thought processes, but like it still doesn't fully encompass all of it. You know, like call it latent space, call it whatever you want, calculator, call it a perception machine, but it doesn't quite do it justice. But like the further technology comes along, the further the science, the neuroscience, the chemistry, whatever comes along, um, the more we understand about maybe like, you know, um, what happens at a microscopic level, then you're able to spin sort of some yarn. But even that's a construct in your head is what he's describing. Like in the actual perception of doing all this, you don't actually watch your neurons doing these things. You don't really mm. watch your it's, brain it's, interacting with yeah. like the occipital cortex interacting with the, you know, auditory, you know, complex, whatever. You don't, you're not really able to pay attention to the inner workings of your brain at any given moment, no matter how much you know about it, right? Like you could know everything about how the brain works. You still couldn't actually see it from inside. It's like, it's like the difference between um, data and concepts and model and models that make sense of data, um, materialism, neuroscience, all this stuff, and then the direct experience of what it's actually like to be you. They're different. And, and that's like one of the, the very hard to reconcile things. Um, yeah, yeah th this is going to be true of like, and this is super interesting to me as well, not just from a neuroscience angle, just because of like, as we're building like more and more interesting AI models and all that, like you wind up having the same problem. Like how, how is the AI going to know when it's like calculated dopamine slash emotion or like mimicking human beings? How does, how does it know when it gets to a point where it's like, that is actually its life and like it can't tell that it's not a machine or how it's inner like inner electrons and whatnot actually make it think what it thinks at any given moment. So this is what it means to be sort of in latent space and whatnot. Um, there's actually a pretty good movie, Bruce, uh, that just got created called uh, Artifice Girl, which is pretty good, covering a lot of this. I think it does a pretty good job, like really, really small, short story type of movie. Um, I, we just watched it yesterday with my son. It's actually pretty good as far as like describing uh like how mm. this experience is going to be felt by a machine and like what does it mean to feel ultimately like what does it mean to experience 
And um, how are you going to differentiate between like artificial version of experience and what that feels like to that entity versus like what you believe that feels like? Because you can't even describe what happens in your own brain. How are you going to describe a computer to a computer like what's happening inside? It's, you know, complicated like um, neural network or whatever. You really yeah. can't. And even it can't like at the end of the day, like the computer itself can't figure out why it's thinking the next thought that it thinks. And that's a, that's a really interesting thing about like the way AI works. Like look at play with open AI, for example, you put, you type in like a series of words and it literally gives you a different answer every time, right? Like what is happening there? It's almost behaving very human-like in that respect. Like if you have a group of 10 different people say, write an essay on the same topic, they'll come with 10 different um, answers, right? But you give chat GPT or whatever, like a topic and you have it repeat that response 10 times and it comes up with 10 different essays which is also um, interesting how that plays out. But yeah, I think uh, the computers themselves, the AIs, they won't understand why they feel the way they feel any more than we will um, at a core level. I have a different so, relationship to stuff like time as well. Yeah, but what's good about like all of that in a sense is like that might be the common ground between us and machines. It might, might be that like we both live in the same universe and therefore like we're bound by certain sort of like rules when it comes to the perception and sentience and whatnot and yeah while perception can be wildly different maybe the ultimately realization becomes like the machine is no longer not able to analyze anymore why it thoughts come from the way it like why why does the machine dream the way it does may not be any more um like uh in the realm of like rationality than the way we dream like it's like there's just some like randomness to it there's like some uh, obviously something that's happening in our head but like you won't be able to like predict what the next dream is going to be like i think nobody in this room can predict what their dream is going to be about three days from now um or if they're even going to have a dream it's like it's not that easy to do uh such a predictive thing about your own head much less something do you, else. do you think ai or agi will be as as um by any fair metric as conscious as we are i think so yes i think we're not even that far away honestly um yeah, like it's, it's like there's a certain emergent effect that happens when you connect like multiple sensory systems together and you connect like trillions of connections together, all sort of creating little, you know, um, what we consider ideas together. And then you couple that with memory and a few other things that like um, it does not appear at this point that we're that far away from that situation where we're mm. going to be having conversations with on, like this is another that, model thing as well right like yeah like consciousness as emergent or consciousness is more primary you you have different debates here as well like even even if you have a different standpoint i think yeah well, even the, if you take problem, it the problem with this conversation or i think it was actually the first conversation i ever had with Sefi, where i just molded about um the biggest pet peeve on planet earth so when people have the consciousness debate or the sentience debate they never define it first. If you don't define consciousness before you're you're asking, are AI conscious? You're never going to get an answer. Like it's just a buzzword that people jack themselves off to, essentially talking about nothing. If yeah, you, if like you define I, I don't, consciousness I don't, as I don't try to bother because I think like is when it comes to like people that deal with brains all the time and whatnot, we're sort of like we already have a model of what that might look like. But I think what is true is that like is a dog conscious probably. Is a shrimp conscious? Um, probably. Um, so, if that's the case, like, is it self awareness that you're looking at? Is it like sentience? Like, what what is the thing you're defining? 
mm. is like you i think it's just a gigantic spectrum in fact like you might get to a point where the ai um quote unquote consciousness may deem our version of consciousness as like sub subpar because we yeah. actually have way less sensory capability than the machine does and then it's like going to say well hey you can't see all the cosmic rays of the galaxy i can see them all at one time you can't see all the sounds and isolate all the sounds coming to your universe i can you can barely feel three objects touching your body i can feel all of them touching my body at once um, yep. so and with so bias like, and everything yeah, the experience and the biases that's going to create as far as what it perceives about us is going to be very interesting as well. So like um, we, we, we could end up being quickly, quickly looked at by the, the entity as essentially being somehow inferior in some ways or whatever, the same way we might think like a dog is inferior or something like that. Mm. Um, I know, think so, um, for me, like what has been imperative for the last two years is to be a good pet. I said this in many yeah. spaces. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, in terms of what you do with your time and, and stuff, be a good pet. Like if you think about um, if you think about the evolution of, of humankind and how we choose pets, right? Like we put things in different categories. So we have pets that are cats and hamsters and maybe things like otters once in a while and dogs, um, parrots and things like that. Like why have we chosen those things as pets? And why do we kill snakes and vermin and like like why was that selection made where we have a sort of a protective bubble around certain animals and then other ones are discarded or dehumanized you know not dehumanized but like we we see them as somehow less sentient and therefore we we don't think twice about killing i mean them. chicken chickens are stupid that makes sense the killing cows definitely does not make sense well the, the point <laughs> for me is you bring that up because you know chickens need to die all right, well, whatever. But the point for me is like, how can we become have you, that? Have you ever looked at a chicken in the eyes? No. You should. The point is that there's like an arbitrariness to like how we have decided to. Uh, no, it's not like, completely arbitrary. Like we're clearly the the creatures that are the most fluffy, the most fun, the less aggressive, um, the more loyal companions, um, the, the kind of cutest to have around or whatever are, are the ones who are saved, right? Generally. Cows um, are cute and they right, wag they, their little tails. You, and they well, you also, around like dogs. You also, want, you also want them to be devoid of things you could extract for more profit, right? Like a cow makes the mistake of having way too much meat and way too much milk production capacity. And therefore, it becomes a thing that people can leverage to make money out of. Whereas well, a cat, milk is like, we don't really care too much. It's not good for you. So I mm -hmm. like heavily disagree on this. I, 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 I agree with well, what you're you saying overall. You I, just think, I just think humans are like retarded with their selection of cows. You like, didn't listen. The cows I'm, did saying, not I'm saying it. that somebody can make a lot of money out of a cow. It's not whether the meat is good or not. That's the point. It's been specifically bred and to some degree is naturally biologically optimized for you to make money we, out we of it. We could yeah, just the, make more money off of chickens. We the modern cow is chickens. purely an, an invention of human beings. Like Chickens, chickens too. Chickens it doesn't really matter. The point is like there's a way to leverage them. There's um, enough profit making contrasted with not enough cuteness or empathy or whatever con uh, added to like the, the agendas and the, the narratives that meat makers push to make you empathize less and stuff. Like we clearly need to avoid all of that stuff with AI. We need to be good pets. That's that's my fundamental belief. Um, so I'm acting in that way. So I will be 
chosen or protected. And it won't be all humans, by the way. It'll be a very small, narrow set of humans. And uh, think about this as well. AI will have no sense of time. Your entire history on the internet will be scanned in a heartbeat. It, it, it will see everything. It's a, a perfect karmic evaluation of who you are, your proclivity to lie to anyone at any time, um, your willingness you, to, you to make certain choices. you think you're going to get chosen? I believe I'm like up there for sure because mm-hmm. I've denied, I've denied uh, money and I think I'm a good pet and I think I optimize Why would AI care if you denied money or not? Because I think it has, it has like a choice of who to, to choose as humans. Why would um, it? Why would it want a poor, broke? It's not about that. It's more like with AI going forward, we're going to be in a post-money society where it's not really going to matter anymore. So you're going to have to optimize for different stuff. And I think AI will will develop its own sort of independent morality. Um, and I think that the humans that are saved will be its pets. So I'm trying to optimize for that. Why would AI morality care if you? rejected money or not because um money will never be an object again in future there'll there'll be more than enough resources it's you you know coach bruce it's we're in the attention economy and uh i i i wouldn't say you've you've rejected in the attention economy the ai wins in the monetary economy the ai wins in the energy economy the ai wins the materialist economy ai wins it wins everything so then it's like well what are we yeah, you're, you're, you're not you're not catching my drift. I don't think I don't think you're in the running. Like what am I, you, what am I going to keep? Little capitalist humans who can output more than other humans. I don't care. Yeah, at some are. level, we, none of more. us may be in the running. I think like that's quite possible too. Like, I mean, I'm a little I, bit more pessimistic. I, I, I think I'm way more in the running for AI to pick me than you. It's like it's going to build an ark with a few human beings on it, <laughs> like like to be in its zoo, to be in its like its pet, and then it's like which one of those is it exactly? I don't know. I think, yeah, I don't you use. Zintani, um, just to go back to what you said before. Could you explain to me um, all the reasons why you hate milk? Can you like convince me to stop drinking milk? Bearing in mind, I drink two liters a day. Well, one and a half. Um, like the nutritional side, the the moral side. Do you do you like Myers Briggs, Zara? Did the test before? Yeah. Well, what are you? She's an INTJ. You're an INTJ. Yeah, I am. You got a problem with that? Yeah, I mean, typical milk drinkers. Yeah, what does that mean? If you, if you, if you, see, like, this is the thing. We're just different people. Like, if you had a man, okay, if I was on, if, if there was a man, he's, like, cool or whatever, we sat down and he, he, he said to the waitress, he's like, a tall glass of milk, please. Um. I would not be able to continue the date. I would have to, I would have to leave. My husband, that is super did specific. that's how he got my heart. He went to um, a local cafe. <laughs> to... 
And he ordered a long glass of milk. And I said, you know what? I was too shy to do that in the past, but you know what? Make it too. And then we locked eyes over our milk. It is just so Mm. gross. Like, okay. Mm. I feel like, I feel like people who fart a lot, like the human body doesn't need to be a stinky thing. But all the stinky people I know love cheese, love dairy. They just stink. They're smelly. They like think about milk, man. I bet you like if you looked at the blood quality of I just bet there's just something off. It's not I don't have facts for you. okay? if I have to smell bad to eat, if I were to guess based on my anecdotal experience, the stinky people, you know, they're they're milk drinkers. But are they happy? They're not supposed to drink milk. It's not. I'll I'll tell you that. But what about the nutritional side? Um, Is it is it oat milk better for you? Oat milk? Yeah, or like the milk substitute. I don't know. I don't. I don't like oat milk. I don't know. Do they smell worse than vegan? Excuse me. How is this? How is this pumping my backs? I, I can go look up. I can go look up some stuff on milk. I bet there's a lot. Oh, well, 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 one of you guys. Uh... I just love milk so much. I think if milk makes you fart, then you shouldn't eat, drink it. Probably bad milk. Probably drinking bad stuff. It's been in the fridge for days. Open. People who fart just don't burp. It should all come hey, out. Yeah, I found a milk, milk token. What? I found a milk token in coin market cap. Oh my god, Sarah! Like, have you tried googling like health effects of milk? I don't. There's not even a. You shouldn't even ask it. Just ask Google. I didn't even you, know about have this. Have you tried stuff. googling milk health effects of anything? for you. You, you can corroborate f- whatever you want. You're a freak. You're all freaks. Okay. There are obviously different kinds of milk as well. Like, if you compare Dairy. them, if you compare Owl the milk. modern estrogen infused milk of of factory dairy farms it's very different from like swiss alps milk from the 1800s you know like like you need to be fair with your milk comparisons as well don't give generalist milk like attack lines or whatever it just comes up across as you're like some propagandist it's like really the simple milk if these things like all these like like health nuances i don't think they all matter much like reality is like the vast majority of human lifespans and everything else was mostly due to like food safety, which means like, okay, if you eat, you're not going to have like salmonella poisoning and die immediately and things of that nature. So like refrigeration and all these other things made most of us get most of our lifespans along with like, you know, keeping like produce free of E. coli and whatever else. After that, it's like what you eat and whatever the fuck else. It's like, it's not that important to the global. Yes, it is. Americans, 40% of Americans (laughs) get uh, cancer. That's fucking crazy. No, that's just like, because the like Americans shit live we long. put in our bodies, and I bet you a part of that is milk, Zara. I bet you a part of it is milk because milk is huge. No, it's not milk. No, it's not milk. No, the aggregate effect, like the aggregate effect of all these things, is like, what are you going to do about them? You're going to live in a less modern society. You're going to go live on the hills somewhere. It's not just modern. No, you're like you have carcinogens coming in from everywhere nowadays, not just food. So it's like, you're not, what are you going to do? Not use plastics. You're not going to use metals. You're not going to drink water. (laughs) Like, what are you going to do exactly? Nothing's been poisoning the water supply. And it's with some chemicals that you just can't get rid of. They just don't degrade. And that's where the cancer rate's going up. 
Why? Well, let me tell you what he works as, doctor. Says it all really, doesn't it? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, does does like, what are you going to do about all this anyway? You're going to start eating this and eating that and whatever. I think like there is a certainly like a type of people that worry about all day about what they're going to eat and not eat. That's like a thing. Um, it's like a, it tends to be more prevalent on people that are a little bit more like, um, like kind of like left leaning type individuals that worry about more about purity of things that goes in the body. Like that's a kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, like some people Hold just on. dwell Wait on that. Wait a second. No, no, like no, no. Some people dwell on that. That's a sociologic phenomenon. Like I, I if don't you know ask what the left-leaning thing comment is. But if you ask 100 people, like wh- how much in, in like, do they worry about like purity of things they put in their body? Yeah, there is a specific percentage of people that will do that. And like everyone else is like, so what? <laughs> like, it's just funny. Like, and then other people will be wor- very, very worried about like disgust about sexual things or whatever. And like other people just don't care. So it's like an interesting thing. Like when you talk to someone who's more into like food details or whatever those are, milk or anything else, like, um, like I don't worry about these things at all, like at all. Like if I die of them, whatever kind of thing. You are, right? you, you, from what I understand, you're a wealthy person. So it doesn't, it doesn't uh, apply to you as much. Also, but like, I can eat junk food all day. Like, right. I eat plenty of junk food, in fact, like, but, I, but I could eat it all day if I want. There's no like lack of money to buy it. So, Yeah, I think it's easier to be fit when you're broke, actually, or like healthy eating, because like you can't just buy all the food that you want. Yeah, the number I one problem in, in the what? U.S. is that simply is too many calories. That is a crazy statement. That's in the U.S., the number statement. one flaw is too many calories today. The vast majority of people is simple excess sugar and calories. That's it. Like if you did that, like you don't need to worry about anything else. Have you ever loved country. all of there's this principle in like Taoism. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism. Taoism, where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want. Inevitably, it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerds slap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up the bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preaching open sauce, but don't listen to the code and now it's mutiny community uprise there's no more humility futility plus size motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles motherfucking west side shit needle and noose sticking with my armory and beta and bruce repping psychedelic artistry believing the truth like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue gm fam really worth all the effort is it really worth all the fighting and the answer, I think, is a clear no. We started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, this shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile, over 
over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee-jerk More evolution, less shitcoin preachers Pretending to be teachers, y'all just predatory leeches I mean, please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat, now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat. If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you, you would be like, don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it. Just say like, is it, really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.